Welcome back, your host Sterling Mac here. Um, so many things going on, right? You got the uh, the DNC's been going on all week. Uh, Lakers and Bucks both lost game one. Luca has been unbelievable. Um, so really cool, I think, for I think just sports fans, right, to have kind of a reprieve a little bit. Like Braves baseball has been on uh, pretty much every week, and and the NBA bubble has done. It, it's just been amazing to be able to watch. You know, it's it's like you're playing AAU again, right? Back at run and shoot, having four games a day. You're trying to sneak a, sneak away from your computer during work to check out, even if it's like you know, Bucks Magic or the Heat and Pacers. You're still you're still tuning in. So, shout out to the NBA. It's it's uh, such a cool time right now. Uh, I think we got some pretty cool stories for you this week. Uh, we're gonna talk trading cards uh and kind of how that industry has evolved within COVID and also evolved with technology um talk squash actually we've talked squash a couple times on this pod from like partnerships and things like that but um some some pretty cool things are paying off finally for squash players which i think is super cool we have a new uh product of the week which is um something uh, another golf watch and then a couple funding rounds that we'll talk through so uh we'll jump into today's seed talk uh hosted by sterling and uh joined by taylor mack on the other side let's jump into it so like i said here the first story we have uh, is trading cards and if you grew up in the 90s trading cards were all the rave um i had gosh i can't tell you i i literally have like maybe five thousand cards just like stashed away they were under my bed for a long time now they're they're somewhere in my parents house um but during covid they've really become uh really something that now people are, are seeking right um i think people yeah i don't want to say just over COVID, right really the last couple of years people have realized that one trading cards are, are slowly starting to come back again. The nineties is for like really when the, the trading card market really hit, hit its plateau, maybe because of the athletes at that point, but I also just think kind of just like where we were in society and like the things that we were kind of into, you know, like pogs or a thing, all that type of stuff. Um, but now the cool pogs. thing about cards, you say what? Pogs. Pogs were amazing. Can we be real there? <laughs> I was doing the video that went viral. I don't know if you knew that that reference, so I'll just move on. Uh, was this a TikTok? I, I miss most TikToks unless they're on Instagram. It was not a TikTok, but yeah. uh, I'll I'll move on. Okay, my bad. That's my bad for not picking that up. But I'll just say again, Pogs. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you'll try and research it to try and get it. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Um, Yes, I think, you know, people have tried to figure out a way. The reason I noted COVID was I think people wanted to stay connected to sports. So now trading cards, especially in the past five, six months here, if you follow Gary Vee, they've become um, not just popular. You're able to truly make money off of them. And then what's happened with cards is now you have e-packs as well. So you can buy packs, unpack them online, keep them online. So your entire card collection can be viewed, sorted, and stored digitally. Kind of like what we talked about with like Dapper Labs, like having like a moment, but now you just have a card uh, in this really like digital kind of locker, digital case. Um, So it's just, it's really interesting as this has evolved. Cards are going crazy right now. If you know the story of Dave Vegas, 
fairly popular um, betting expert, I guess that's what we'll call him. Uh, you know, he bought a Mike Trout card called a year and a half ago for $400,000. And um, we believe it'll be auctioned around $3.2 million. So cards are not just back in the fact that people are unboxing them and doing cool things within social people are truly making a ton of money off of them. Taylor, what do you think about this one? How are they? How is this this much money? What goes into this for them to be so expensive? I think the thing first, like if we're just talking the Mike Trout card, it's um, it's like the hologram card with him. It's like his, um, I believe it's his rookie or second year card. And um, you have to think Mike Trout might go down as the best player ever. Right. So, I think if you find one of his cards right now in any pack, you you want to hold on to it until he goes in the Hall of Fame. And I was reading something earlier. It's like every home run he hits, you assume if your valuation of a card is already super high, you just you just kind of maximize it, or you know it, you can kind of do some type some sort of like multiplier on top of it, just just because of his value continues to rise with how great he is. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 crazy where cards are kind of going from a financial side. It's it's similar to the secondary marketplace that StockX has created. Obviously, you know, it's kind of hard. There's no true, like, there's no true, like, StockX or so, whatever, for cards. But, like, that that's kind of what I, I equate it to, where, like, people are unboxing them on YouTube and Twitter. Darren Rovell is a great example, right? He'll unbox something on Twitter, go through it, and then now he's selling it and doing super cool things uh, with what he does on like the auction uh, action network. I mean, it's, it's been unbelievable to kind of watch this take off and really, like I said, it's been over the last couple of years, but COVID has definitely driven the prices up here. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, obviously his, his value from an athletic standpoint is over half of, or right under half a billion dollars, but sure. your true value with cards that are circulating around the world is clearly over a billion dollars i would assume if you put it all together and that as if i'm mike trout more pressure less pressure you don't care about that obviously you're just trying to continue to maximize your value on the field which he's done so far and continues to exceed those expectations um do you think at some point if, if the card value continues to jump up you know you know the mike trout card was one of them was sold for four hundred thousand dollars already you had a lebron james card uh, that sold for $1.82 million. A Conor McDavid card sold for $135,000 in July. Do you think you would see if the value suddenly goes down, but you wouldn't expect these greats for that, you know, the value to go down, that uh, Fanatics would, I don't even want to throw that in the air, but, but, um, yeah, I don't. I only want to throw it in there. But I was gonna say, if you have if you have a five hundred thousand dollar card, next thing you know, it turns out to be you know poo 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 because of the player over time. Do you think people will take that out on the player, or just like it is what it is for card trading? No, it is what it is because I mean, ninety five percent of cards are they're not gonna have any true value to them. Our value right. more than like what you bought it for mm-hmm. in the pack, right? So like, if a pack of twenty cards is you know nineteen ninety five most of the cards in there are going to go for like 20 cents when you go to like resell it or 25 cents or a dollar or something. Right. You're hoping that you find a real, either a super rare card or just a card of a top tier player. And you assume top tier players are not going to slow down until they're 
in their mid thirties, unless they're LeBron James. Right. And these cards aren't signed in autograph. They're just mint condition, either rookie cards, holographic cards, which are specialty novelty cards. So if you are a card collector, be on the lookout for that and, and bring out your hobby. Don't let somebody tell you it's weird. It's not weird. It's making money. You know what's weird? I got 800K while you still taking the bus and you try and call me cheap. Try and make fun of me. Next thing you know, you're out here driving around in Maserati. Stun on these folk, people. Take your hobby. Turn that into you. Keep that passion rolling. Turn that into something lucrative. I don't know where the bus came in there. But yeah, I mean, it's um, I it's think that's kind like of the that. cool thing it. with the but the packs, right? Because uh-huh. to your point, it, just the the ability now that you have to be able to like store and do different things with these cards, you don't have to like worry about them physically being there. And to your point, I think most people still use baseball cards as a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to turn your hobby into something more, this is the perfect time to do that. Uh, and there's so many ways to do that. And you've got on the backside, you know, we've done stories, Dapper Labs, these collectibles that are coming down the pipeline. That's going to be the next thing in, in this revolution of cards and like how that turns into financial gain for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be the next evolution. Um, I want to try and get on those. And those are the e-cards that we're, we're referencing. It's a moment in time. Steph Curry's or uh, Kyrie Irving's three, say, in uh, the – final series versus the Warriors that, that wins them the championship ultimately like that moment will be sealed and you know, there's only a finite number of those moment type cards out there in the episphere. If you want to the East sphere, if you want to put it that way and the worth that those will be worth in, in however many years. So yeah, very cool um, aspects of Corona positive aspects coming out of the COVID-19 virus so far pandemic. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the next one we, the next story we have here is we've done a few stories on like squash or racquetball or like different technologies within the racket themselves or playing surfaces, uh, things like that. So this is a little bit different. This is a partnership that happened back in, uh, 2018. So the professional squash association and a global technology provider, which is sports data labs, uh, partnered back in 2018 to really kind of like figure out a best way to commercialize and um, take the data sets within players and to find a way to really maximize it. So that's like what Sports Data Labs does is they incorporate athlete data, which is can be super complex at times, and they find ways to navigate it, scale it, and then monetize it um, within the sports ecosystem. So this is super cool for squash players because now – uh, that partnership or, you know, two years ago, that's starting to now come to fruition for these players. And they've been paid over a hundred thousand um, dollars really since the, since the inauguration of the, uh, of the partnership. So shout out to them. Wanted to kind of, kind of bring this to light. Uh, I saw also that they played a tournament, I believe they called it the JP Morgan tournament of champions in New York's grand central terminal, which I think is just kind of cool. I'm just going to highlight that. Uh, Taylor, what'd you think about this one? No, it is really cool uh, that they, for one, played in Grand Central and set up a, a glass box, a glass rectangle. You make sure I have the court dimensions correct and uh, played in front of uh, fans. So that's that is pretty nice, but takes real time in game uh, physiological data. And they believe that this can open up for the betting world. So um, going to be really interesting. I mean, you look at if people are going to be looking at analytics from that standpoint of hey, you know, when I've seen every time. Late in the game, Sterling's at a hundred, you know, nine ninety nine point seven degrees. Heartbeat, heart rates going like you know certain 
you know, beats per minute. I've seen his performance goes down in this area. And uh, I want to know what, you know, the rest of the data that comes along with it, but you're seeing everything from the body that's coming off from a player during a match. And that's going to be able to help you help influence you in the way that you want to bet if that's what they're going to try and do for partnerships. But I mean, the, the cupboard is wide open for what they can go and direction as well. So um, yeah, it's kind of, it's cool. It, uh, it just brings another aspect and something fun to the casual viewer or the, um, I don't, I was going to say the, the, the feverish supporter of the racket community. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great point about betting, right? So essentially just to, to backtrack a little bit of like what the data is. So uh, players gave access to essentially like their data, the data complements like their training and performance analysis. Uh, the data is also incorporated in the sports official broadcast. So to your point, there's so many new kind of avenues and, and streams that they can kind of tap into. Betting is is definitely one of them, right? Or betting partners. Uh, also just like from a spectator perspective, you're able to like now access like all this data. So you're can, you're like watching this and I think it'd actually make it more exciting if I knew that like, like if you know how, like when you're playing FIFA, you know, like someone's energy level or something like that. It's like, if I knew yeah. Joel Embiid was like on empty, but you can already tell you, you, you can already see that. That's a good point. <laughs> you can, you can see when Embiid's tired, but I love, I love what you're saying. If you could tell, when their meter is not going back up to full and they can't hit that same burst that they had at the beginning, uh, would that influence, you know, say your second half bets, your second quarter or yeah. sorry, third quarter, fourth quarter, or, you know, late game type um, decisions that you would want to make if, if there is a betting partnership. So you're, you're spot on. Yeah. Uh, which is super cool. So um, yeah. Shout out to uh, sports data labs and um, to the, uh, to the professional squats association. So next up here, we have our, um, our product of the week. It's another golf watch just to, just to do that. Just, I'm just going to lay it out there for everybody. Um, I saw this recently. So <clears throat> second chance is partnering with Samsung to release the galaxy watch golf edition, as well as the galaxy watch active Two golf edition. Uh, Second Chance is a leading European sports technology uh, distributor. They specialize in golf, cycling, and connected sports technology. We obviously know what Samsung um, is about, but um, uh, super cool. I think it's got like vivid course maps, accurate course information, dual arc, which provides the distance from the player's location to the front, center, and back of the green in a variety of measurements, obviously, because, you know, uh, second chance is a European uh, company. You got to, you know, switch over from millimeters, feet, all that type of stuff, standard metric, all that uh, shot tracking. So golfers can automatically log shot positions and a digital scorecard. Uh, Taylor, what'd you think about this product? No, it's cool. It comes built into the galaxy watch and it's being released right now in this form out in Europe. Um, so you don't have to worry about adding and, and it comes with a lifetime membership to uh, the golf with the golf edition lifetime membership for the, using the app and going through all the functions that it has. So uh, it is, it's a really great product. I, I know we've highlighted some, some golf products uh, for our product of the week, but it just continues to reinforce the versatility that there, that we have out there 
that's available that people might not know about. And so if you do have an Android, I think team Android all the way, I'll never go iPhone. Take that iPhone, that Apple, shove it up your patootie. Yes, I said patootie. But I think it connects auto- it connects automatically with your with your Android phone. And uh, with that syncing, just gives you more flexibility when you're out there on the course. You don't have to double double check that or think it. And you can just rock your uh, regular smartwatch out there and up your, up your golf game. Let me put it that way. You want to get good, get Android. Up your golf game. Yeah, it's super sleek too. I'm not gonna lie. Like just the just the look and feel of it looks like a kind of looks like a watch. Looks like a really nice. Yeah, it looks like a really nice. I was gonna say Timex, but Timex. Timex isn't a bad. That's not a bad look. To that, that I'm, I'm with you on that one. It has you know that what look. I mean? That's kind of what it looks like. So um, yeah, definitely check this out. Like Taylor said, it's 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 coming out essentially kind of like right now. So uh, check out Second Chance uh, with Samsung, and again the Galaxy Watch. Uh, golf edition, the Galaxy Watch Active 2 Golf Edition. All right, so we will uh, we'll round this out. There's a, only a couple funding rounds here. I'm definitely not going to say this one right. Um, so Edge Sports, which is a data uh, intelligence and analytics sports firm, announced uh, the close of a $5 million round. Uh, it actually began last fall. So the investors included Bluegrass Angels, Thornton Capital, Commonwealth Seed Capital, and a couple undisclosed uh, angel investors. Um, Ed Sports is out of Kentucky. They launched in 2013, and they are a subsidiary of Edge Analytics, uh, which is a site that uses data to predict trends, patterns, and the parent company, Football Outsiders and Edge Varsity, which is a web for high school football teams uh, determine, that determines win probability at any point in the game. They said the money is going to be used to enhance and market the company's consumer subscription platform. Uh, so shout out to Edge Sports for getting that $5 million funding round there. Um, and the next one here is with Wildlife. So um, Wildlife Studio, obviously gaming is going insane right now. So Wildlife Studios announced this actually came out, I think last week. So um, $120 million Series B financing uh, or raise. And uh, so it brings the company's post-round valuation to nearly $3 billion. Vulcan Capital um, is the leader on this round. Uh, they live up with the cash infusion. Also participating um, in this invest or in this round was uh, Human Capital. Um, so yeah, shout out to them. I mean, e-gaming is crazy right now. If you know anything about, uh, wildlife, they have the, like the really, really popular, like, like tennis game, uh, that like a ton of, I was going to say kids and I was tennis clash. yeah, like everybody, I thought it was like a kid game, but then as I started doing research, like everybody plays this game. So, um, yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to, um, two brothers actually started wildlife studios. So, uh, congrats to them on getting, the $120 million seed round here. And that wraps it up for this week's edition of Sports Tech Atlanta. Um, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Steamac. That is TMAC29 on that side. Uh, definitely subscribe to us, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, we hope to see you next week.